You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardenbaptist.org. We are in 2 Peter chapter 3, so if you'd go ahead and be turning there. I want you to imagine that it's almost your 16th birthday. I know some of you are like, that would be great. I wish I could go back to my, so let's just dream for a little bit, right? So you are almost 16, and your dad calls you out to the driveway, and he says, hey, honey, I've got a present for you. And he gives you this car. And so you see it, and immediately you know what it is. This is dad's favorite car. Right, it's a 1967 Mustang. You've heard about its glory because he got it when he was a kid. He got it new and it was great. You've seen pictures, you've heard the stories, but it's been in dad's garage for a while now. And you didn't have any idea it was gonna be yours. So how do you now act surprised with dad telling you, hey honey, I'm gonna give you my baby. This is gonna be your first car. So you sort of really don't know how to react. Like you want to be happy, you want to be excited. You know that it, it did have a glory, but the glory is not really there anymore. And you're trying to think about, wow, okay, um, like does it run? Oh, I mean, it doesn't yet, but I, I can get her, like it, it will. Like it's gonna, it's gonna run. And so you're trying to act like excited, but then you're thinking through, I've got to drive to school. And people have to see me in this. Like, this is going to, people are going to watch me, and it's rusted, and I'm sure things are going to fall off, and it's probably going to not crank half of the time. So you're trying to be excited. You're trying to give him thanks, but in your heart, you're not really excited about this gift. And then he says, well, okay, here, honey, here's here's your 16th birthday present. But I want to tell you something. I'm going away on a trip. You know, Daddy travels a little bit, so I'm going away on a trip. But when I come back... I'm going to restore this car, and it's going to look like this. Now, how you feeling? Feeling a little better, right? You're like, oh, and all of a sudden, like, you are excited, you are happy, you're hugging dad, you're giving him big kisses. Let me tell you about this. So, uh, my car is, it, it had glory. It's a little rusted now, but here's what I want to tell you. I'm going to restore this. We're going to have new, but it's not going to be like it was. We're putting a fully electric motor in it, 600 horsepower. It's going to be painted. Whole interior is going to be redone. Everything is going to be changed into something, not just how it was, but even better. And now you've got this picture of not what the car was, not what the car is, but what the car is going to be. And your dad said, I'm taking a trip. And as soon as I get back, the car is turning into this. Now you're excited. And you know what also? You're really ready for dad to get back. Like you're excited. You're counting down the days. You're, you're looking at the map. You're trying to, okay, calendar, when is dad coming back? When do I get this car? But I think it would change the way you felt about the first car. Like you'd probably set in it and you're imagining, you have the picture of it in the dashboard. You're looking at it. Okay, I'm in what I'm, this is my car but this is not what it's going to be. It's going to be something so much better, and I can't wait for dad to get home where this turns into that. Now, the reason I give you that little picture is because I want you to take this picture through the text we're about to walk through. 
Because what we're going to see in the text that we are going to read is the best is actually yet to come. And so as we think about the, 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 the scriptures, as we think about what the gospel teaches, see, some of us, our default position is this. Jesus died on a cross to save me from my sins so that I'll go to heaven when I die. And that's kind of the full story. That, that's like the whole thing. So for you, salvation is Christ died for my sins so that when I die, I'll go to heaven. And that's the end. That, that's the whole thing. So I'm going to go to heaven one day. I'm not sure what that's going to be like, but I'm just sort of waiting for this moment when I'm going to go to heaven. And I love what N.T. Wright says. He says, heaven is great, but it's not the end of the world. There's actually more coming. That heaven is not our final destination. And we as people, it's going to be really important that we don't just have this belief and hope that when we die, we're going to heaven and that's sort of it. That's only like part of the story. When we die, we will be with the Lord, but that is not the end. We are with the Lord waiting for him to return. And when he returns, he's going to restore all things to how they were, but even better. So now let's think about the car. See, what we're going to see is this earth, this life right now, it's sort of like that rusty, beat-up car. Man, we remember its glory. We can read Genesis 1 and 2. We remember a life without sin, walking out of presence. Everything was good. But as we sit in this car, as we live in this world, in this life, our hope is not that one day God's just going to take us away and we're going to float around. No, our hope is that God is going to restore the car. That God is going to remake, renew this earth so that we are going to walk where our feet walk now for all of eternity, but it's going to be perfect paradise, even better than it was. And see, as we get a picture of the future, and we realize the future is connected to right now, the two aren't completely disconnected, what I hope it will help you to do is to, for one, love the gifts right now, that you would love the life has given you right now, that you would walk on this earth right now in the presence of God, but you wouldn't love it ultimately. And you know what you'd really want? For dad to come back home. And you can't wait for dad to come back home because you're ready for the car to be restored. You're ready for all things to be how they once were, but even better. See, some of us, we're not anxiously awaiting Christ's return. Because we really believe right now is the best it's going to be. And then someday we're going to go somewhere and we're going to float around and we're really not sure what that's going to be like. Well, I want you to see this morning the best is yet to come. And it should cause you to long for Christ to come back when we get the new earth that's even better than the earth we're on. So let's look at the scriptures and let's read what Peter is going to tell us about the end. And uh, I want that picture of the old car how it once was, how it is now, and how it's going to be to be an image in your mind as you think through this text. If you'd stand out of reverence for the Word of God, we're going to begin reading in verse 10, and we're going to read through verse 13. Here's what the Word of God says. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? 
waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to get a picture firmly in our mind of what that new heaven and new earth will be like where righteousness dwells. And I pray as we have a picture firmly planted in our minds that we would long for you to come because we know the best is yet to come. We pray this in Christ's good name. Amen. You guys may be seated. So as we walk through this text... We're going to do it a little different. We're actually going to ask three questions, and we're going to try and answer those three questions. Three questions are this. Number one, what does it mean that the old will pass away? So Peter says, um, when Christ comes, the old will pass away. It'll burn up. It'll be dissolved. So our question is, does that mean God is going to annihilate everything we know now? Is it just he blows it all up? What does it mean that it passes away? Or is God refining it and renewing it and restoring it? So we're going to ask, what is the fire actually doing that causes the heavens and the earth to pass away? And then number two, we're going to ask, what is this new heaven and new earth like? What's the new car like? What's this new existence going to be and why should we long for that? And the last question we're going to ask is this, what should we do as those who are stuck in the middle? Like we're in between the passing away and the coming of this new heaven and a new earth. So what should we do as people who are stuck in the middle of those two things? How do we live as people in a place that's passing away, but also a place that is yet to come? So those are our questions. So the first one we're going to tackle is what does it mean that the old will pass away? That's the language that Peter uses. Now he's already said the coming of the day will be like a thief. And we've talked about that doesn't mean it's secret. It means it's unannounced. It's unexpected. Christ is just going to come back and it's going to be the end. We've talked about that God's delay is not because he's slow, but because he's good. He's waiting for people to repent. I got to talk to two people this week who realized because of judgment, they're in trouble because they have not repented. And I got an opportunity to get to share the gospel with them. And it, just the news of Christ coming back rattled them of I'm not ready. And we're working through them getting ready so that they would know confidently when Christ comes back. Maybe that's you this morning. We've been talking about Christ returning and you're not sure that you're in Christ. Well, he hasn't returned because he's waiting for sinners to repent. And maybe you this morning, that delay is for you to repent and believe in the gospel. So he's not slow, he's good. But then as we noticed in this verse, we have this and then. So Christ is coming like a thief and then. In other words, and then he is actually gonna come and it's going to be over. The return of Christ is gonna happen. Judgment is gonna come. So the question now we're at that day. It's not when it's coming or how it's coming. It's now it's here. Christ has come back. What is gonna happen when he returns? And we see Peter says, first of all, the old is gonna pass away. I mean, just look at it. The heavens will pass away with a roar. 
Tom Schreiner says that, that idea of a roar, it's like a, a crackling, like a roaring fire, this blaze. You're going to hear this roar because judgment has fallen on the heavens and on the earth. And then the heavenly bodies, they will burn up and dissolve, and the earth and the works that are done in them will be exposed. So what does it mean that they're going to pass away? What does it mean that they're going to dissolve, that things are going to be burned up, and things are going to be exposed? So our question is, what exactly does that mean? And there's sort of two thoughts. But the first one is, okay, God is going to blow up the first and make something brand new. In other words, that what this is talking about is annihilation of the planet. God's just going to, he's going to take us up. He's going to totally blow what is here now, the heavens and the earth. They're going to do away. And then God is going to make a new heavens and a new earth. He's going to make something brand new. And there's no continuity between this earth and the earth to come. So that's one way that he could be saying this. The second is not a total annihilation, but a restoration. A fire that melts and dissolves like gold melts and dissolves and the impurities are raked away so that gold can be left, so that what's good can be left. So the question is, does God annihilate the earth or does he restore it through fire? Like it's like, is this like a Death Star event or is this like a forest fire event? That's our question. Like you remember the Death Star moment? Like Leia, she's on the bridge and you got the big cannon headed to Alderaan, and she's like protesting, please don't, please don't. And they're like, no, we're going to do it. And all of a sudden the laser hits Alderaan, and what happens? Entire planet obliterated. Everything gone, annihilated. Alderaan is no longer on the map. It is completely done away with. So is that what Peter is saying is going to happen to planet Earth and the heavens? When God takes us up, as we talked about last week, and we watch the fireworks, what are the fireworks? Is it God obliterating, annihilating the planet so that it's no longer in existence, it's no longer on the map? Or is this burning and dissolving, is it more like a forest fire? I remember in uh, 2016, we were going to Gatlinburg for a family vacation. We rented a cabin, it was awesome, had it all picked out, had some hikes, it's gonna be great. We got ready and November, a fire broke out in the Smoky Mountains. Some of you remember that fire well. It was on the news. I mean, just all sorts of acreage destroyed. Some of Gatlinburg destroyed, cabins destroyed. The person called us and said, um, you can't go on your vacation because the cabin is no longer here. It's like, well, that's okay. I guess I got my money back. But we had to cancel the vacation. It was such a like disheartening because I love the Smokies and I actually got to, got to go there a little bit after and I saw just this devastation, just trees, charred, everything destroyed. But then four years later in 2020, we planned another family vacation. And we got to actually go. We got to get a cabin. It wasn't burnt. And we, we did some hiking and we hit a trail that we didn't really even know where the trail was going to go. And we're just walking along and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden we walk through like this gap and we walk into just death and destruction. Like we walk from like perfect forest. Everything's great. We walk through and now it's just charred, trees falling down. And we realize, oh, we just crossed over to where that great fire, I mean, our kids are asking, like, what happened here? Like, did somebody bomb this place? It's like, no, it's, and we taught our kid about, about this fire. And we got to explain that, hey, remember that trip four years ago? Hey, so this is why. And as we saw just trees fell and char and burn, and you know what we also saw? 
it's been four years. So we saw these little saplings that were green and tender. We saw this grassy moss that was growing on everything. That beauty was coming from the ashes. Life was springing from death. See, that's what fire does to forest. Fires don't annihilate. Fires don't destroy by annihilation. They destroy and they reconstruct. They rehabilitate. So the question for us is, which one is Peter talking about? Is it Alderaan? Boom, game over. Or is it a forest fire where all that is accursed in this world will go in a blazing flame and from that beauty will come from the ashes. God will restore and resurrect the earth like he resurrect our bodies. And I'm going to argue for the second. I don't think God's plan for the planet is to destroy it and it's annihilated. I think God's plan for the planet is to restore and redeem it. And I'm going to give you some scripture to explain why that is. And then we're going to talk about why that actually matters a lot in how you think about the world. Acts 3, 19 through 23. Now, the reason I chose this is because this is Peter. Peter, who wrote 2 Peter, is explaining to some people the gospel and the second coming of Christ. And here's what Peter says. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus. So remember, Christ has died. He was buried. He rose again. So Christ is in heaven right now. And Peter is giving a message to the people still here on earth. He says, hey, get ready. You need to repent because the time of refreshing is coming. I think the refreshing is this refining of sin that's going to be eradicated. And you don't want to be caught in your sin in that moment. You want to be in Christ because you don't want to go in judgment in your sin. You want to be found in the Lord. So repent from your sins. And then notice what he says, verse 21. Whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So two words that we've pointed out. There's refreshing and there's restoring. So he's talking to an audience. You need to repent because Christ is in heaven and he's getting ready to come back. And when he comes back, there's a restoring and a refreshing of all things. Now, to me, that doesn't sound like God is going to annihilate the planet. That doesn't sound like it's a boom, everything is over. It sounds like when Christ comes back, there's going to be a refreshing, a restoring, a taking what is now and making it like it once was, but even better. So I think there's going to be continuity between this earth and that earth, that God is going to restore it through fire, not destroy it through fire. Another text we'll go to is Romans 8, 19 through 23. Here's what Paul writes about the creation. He says this, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So creation is eager for the second coming. So it seems odd that creation would be eager if they knew when Christ comes back, it's game over for creation. It gets obliterated. That would be a Weird thing to be eager for, your extermination. But creation is eager for this event. Why? Verse 20. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it 
in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Notice that. That what is creation? Creation is waiting how? In hope. It's eager in hope. And what is it hopeful for? That it will be set free from bondage and corruption. That that's what creation is waiting for. It's longing for. So it's not longing for its destruction in a sense of it's no longer going to be. It's waiting for its destruction that it's going to be set free from bondage and decay. And notice how this connects to us. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So creation has been groaning and longing like, like a woman getting ready to give birth. It's been groaning. It's waiting for this moment that it's going to be set free. And then Paul connects creation to the way we are longing, the way we are groaning for our own bodies to be set free and redeemed through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Paul's linking these two. When Christ comes back, there is a resurrection of your body. Like if you've lost a family member and you've put them in the ground, guess what? That's not the end of them. When Christ comes back, they're going to break free from the grave. There's going to be a resurrection of their body. Their body will meet their soul and they will live in a resurrected body forevermore in a new kingdom. But guess what? That's also not the end story of the world. That when Christ comes back, the world itself will go through a resurrection. That it will go from a death to life. There will be a redemption that is connected to our bodies. So when Christ comes back, we are resurrected, but also the planet we live on will be resurrected to new life, free from sin. The creation is actually waiting for this moment. John Piper puts it like this. What happens to our bodies and what happens to the creation go together. And what happens to our bodies is not annihilation, but redemption. Our bodies will be redeemed, restored, made new, not thrown away. And so it is with heaven and earth. That our bodies are not annihilated. Our bodies are not thrown away. Our bodies actually matter and God has a plan for your body. And he's going to restore and redeem and resurrect your body. The gospel is not Christ died for your sins so that your soul will go to heaven one day and then that's the end. That's not the end. When you die as a Christian, you will be with the Lord, but you're waiting for him to return so that you'll be reconnected with your body and you'll be reconciled back to God and you'll live in a resurrected universe where we have the earth will experience that same resurrection that your body does. That you'll live with God here forevermore. So the two go together. I love what Charles Spurgeon says about fire. He says this, Fire changes form but does not obliterate substance. The world, so far as we know, will not cease to be. It will pass through the purifying flame and then perhaps the soft and gentle breath of almighty love will blow upon it and cool it rapidly. 
The divine hand will shape it as it cools into a paradise more fair than what bloomed upon the banks of the Tigris. That's a reference to Genesis. So here Spurgeon is saying fire doesn't obliterate. No, fire, it, it restores And I think that's exactly what Peter is trying to say about the planet. This dissolving, this burning, it's not to obliterate it. And how do I know that? Because when it does, it will expose the works that are in the world. There's an exposing, not obliterating, exposing it. And so here we have a fire that's not for annihilation, but a fire that is for restoration. And then after God with his flames and with his fury and with his wrath and with his judgment, he breaks the curse and he makes all things new. So here we have this passing away and this becoming new. And what I've argued with, that's not a throwing away and making something brand new. That's a taking what's broken and fixing it, redeeming it, restoring it so that it is presented as new. And we can see that even when we're talking about our own salvation. Think about 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We see the same language. Here's what Paul says about our salvation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. So about your salvation, here's what happened when you believed in Christ. The old passed away and the new has come. Now, does that mean that when you became a believer, Your old self, the sinner you were, was annihilated, obliterated, no longer exists. No, you're you're still you. Same body, same person. But the old pattern, the old ways, they are going away. And there is a new you that has replaced it. There is a new you that's in continuity with the old you, but it's new. So speaking of our salvation, it's the same language that Peter is using for Creation, the old has passed away and there is new that's coming. So it's not he obliterates the one and makes something new, but it's this restoration that is coming through this refining fire that God is going to do on the earth. And notice, as we see this fire, there's something that's exposed. Here's what we see. And the earth and the works that are done on them will be exposed. I mean, why is, there, why is there fire? Why is there melting? Why is there dissolving? I mean, we talked about, like, I don't know about you, but last Sunday when we talked about, like, us being pulled out and then we see the fireworks show, it's like, man, that, that, that's in some ways, like, sad. Like, like I don't want to see all that, I, all that I love and all that I, all that I like and all that I do just, just be burned up. And the idea of, like, total destruction, like, like I, I don't want that. Like, I'm not sure I'm going to watch. And then... And then you realize what the fireworks are pointed at. They're pointed at the works of this earth that are against God, that are being exposed in his judgment. In other words, it's the curse. The curse is being broken at the return of Christ. All the things that break God's heart are being dealt with. All the things that cause havoc on our lives. All the things that we open up on our news app and we go, oh, it's all going to be exposed. And so if one, we see, see, see there's no hiding. That, that everything is going to be brought to light and there's going to be proper justice. 
So one of the things that we deal with is so much injustice that happens all around. People do things and they don't get what they deserve. They get away with things that horrific things happen all over our planet and it seems like there's no justice. It seems like people get away with them. There's no righteousness that happens. And God is saying when Christ comes back, there's no hiding. There's no running. That all things will be brought to light and justice will be served. All those things that we're saying, how can this be? It will be done at the return of Christ. When he comes back, he will deal with the sin that has wrecked the planet. I don't know about you, but that's, that's really good news. Because there's a lot of things broken and wrecked about this planet. And I can't wait for the fire to just push it away. And you think about just, just cancer. The thing that has ravished us. And wrecked us because we live in a broken world where our sin brought on death and, and sin and sickness has spread. And Jesus came to conquer in his new kingdom sickness, but it's not conquered yet. So we deal with things like cancer. And some of you are going through it. Some of you with loved ones. You're sitting beside their beds and you've seen them being taken from that. Can you imagine the moment we see Christ comes back and he goes to war on cancer? and completely eradicates it, where we need no more cancer wards, where we need more hospitals for cancer research, because it's all done away with. The curse is rolled up and thrown out. And that's good news. When Alzheimer's and ALS and COVID and all these things that, that affect us, and they're all dealt with, and they're all moved out. I just sicked this, and human trafficking, violence, abuse, pride, envy, all, all these things that are right now wrecking our planet. They're going to be done away with. They're going to be dealt with. That Christ is coming not just to obliterate this place. He's coming to renew it and restore it. And all things are going to be exposed. And he's going to go to work on the curse. And he is going to defeat it. And I don't know you, but that's good news to me. Because I'm like in that car, right? It's like, it's rusty. It doesn't work. We're on this planet. It's broken. Most of your days, it's just brokenness. And people are wronging you. And you're, it's, just, it's all a mix of emotion. And, and it's hard. And it's heavy. And we're in this car. And we're thinking, this is the best it's going to be. And Peter wants to give us a little picture on the dashboard. This isn't the best it's going to be. The best is yet to come. Look at this. I am going to restore all things. And it's going to be you living on this planet where righteousness dwells. And it's going to be perfect forever that's what's coming so don't just love the car like it but love what's coming love the restoring of all things and don't let your hope be i'm gonna die and go to heaven one day and kind of float around no you're gonna die one day and yes you'll be with the lord but guess what he is coming back and you're gonna be renewed and resurrected to live on this planet forevermore with him so you know what that, I really believe the places your feet are walking today are the places your feet will walk forever. Same place, same soil, same ground, same places. So you know, I think about the fire or something, man, I got like where I grew up and like where I went, my home, like all this stuff, like man, I don't want to see it all go. 
That's not the image of the new kingdom. It's not the world gets blown up. It's the world gets fixed. The world gets restored. That our feet are going to walk on the same place, but it's going to be a place writ of sin and death and destruction. That's why Peter says, repent, because the day of restoring is going to come. Don't be found in sin, because sin is going to be dealt with. Be found in Christ, where righteousness will dwell forever. So what does it mean that there's going to be a passing away? I think the passing away is all of the former corruption and brokenness and sinfulness that we find the course of this world that Paul talks about that we all once followed, it's gonna be all done away with through fire. And it's gonna be like gold that is, that is melted down and it's dissolved and it's bringing out the impurities, it's scraped off and now you're left with pure gold. That's going to be the new heavens and the new earth restored and remade in the ways they always were meant to be. So that's the passing away. Not annihilation, but restoration. So if that's the case, then what about the new? What's the new heaven and the new earth gonna be like? Well, the new will come. This is our second question answered. Second Peter 3.13 says this, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So not only does the old pass away, but we get something new in its place, something renewed. And what is this new heaven and this new earth going to be like? It's going to be a place where righteousness dwells. Like right now, we live in a world that sin dwells, sin rules, death rules. We're going to live in a new earth where righteousness dwells. The very characteristics of God is going to be what fills this new earth. Then when you open up your news app, it's going to be good news all the time. Like, can you imagine that? Just open up your news app and you home. You know what it is? Bad news all the time. That's the car we live in. It's broken. It's rusted. It doesn't work right. You are going to one day open your news app and it's going to be good news all of the time forevermore. That's where we're going. A place where righteousness dwells forever. It's a new heaven and a new earth. It's what Isaiah prophesied about. Isaiah 65, 17. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. There's a newness that's coming, Isaiah says. But not only Isaiah prophesied. See, Peter knew about it. Isaiah prophesied about it. But John got to actually see it. So I want to give you a picture of the car so we can put it in our dashboard and look at it this week. Notice what this new heaven and earth are going to be like. Revelation 21, 1 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. We've talked about that. The, the former corruptions, they're gone, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So notice, when you get to this new place when Christ comes back we're not going to go to heaven heaven is going to come down to us heaven the, the people of God the very um, the very city of Jerusalem that's people that's you and me we are going to come down as the bride of Christ come to the earth there's going to be a marriage of heaven and earth and we're going to then live on the earth forevermore not we die and go to heaven no, Christ comes back and brings us back to earth where we live with him forever. Verse three, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. That's on earth. 
He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. What are the former things? It's the curse. The curse is gone. All that sin has wrecked in your life and my life and our loved one's life, it's all going to pass away when Christ comes back. And notice where the dwelling place of man is going to be. God's going to bring his people from heaven down to the earth. And God is going to dwell on earth with us. This is going to be our home forevermore. A new earth. Notice verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty... I will give the spring of waters of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this as his heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So he says, listen, I'm making all things new. It's gonna be a new place where righteousness dwells. That's where that list of things that are against God will not be there. They will be away from the presence of the Lord. Why? Because the new earth will be a place with only righteousness. There will be no sin. There will be no curse. It will be a place of righteousness forevermore. Only the things that God loves and none of the things that break his heart. It's going to be a place that is brand new. So that's this, this picture. So yes, we're in the car. It's rusty. It's worn out. We feel the curse all the time, all around us. But I want you to look at the car that's broken and have an affection for it. Because it once had glory. Like when dad drove it, it, it had glory. You've seen pictures. But now you're in it and it's broken and it's not quite how it should be. But you have a picture of when dad's coming back. Here's what it's going to be. So your affection is not just for it how it is now, but for it how it's going to be. That this car is going to be new paint job, new interior. It's going to be so much better. So you don't scrap the car. You don't hate the car. But you don't want the car to stay the same. You know what you want? You want your dad to come back. And that's how Christians should feel about this life. We don't despise it, we don't hate it, but we realize it is not ultimate. I am in this point waiting for the return of Christ and I can't wait for him to come back because it's actually gonna be better. And if you believe that, you'll actually want him to come back. But I'm not sure that all of us believe the new renewed earth is gonna be better than the one we have right now. Because our vision is we're gonna die and go to heaven and we're not sure what that's gonna be and we'd rather just have here a lot longer. But if we really knew what the new earth is going to be like, we would long for it now. So what do we do as people who are stuck in the middle right now? In other words, how do we live our life if the old is passing and the new is coming? Verse 11 says this, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which... The heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. So if you know that how this world is in its brokenness is passing away and righteousness is around the horizon, righteousness is what's coming, then how should you live your life right now? 
Like if you're in the car and you know this car is not how it's going to be, but the new car is coming, how should you live your life? He says, well, it's very easy. You should live your life in holiness and godliness. In other words, you should live right now as though what's coming is most important. That's the point of the series, living forward. Not living now, but living forward. You're, you're in the car, you're enjoying the car, but you want Jesus to come back because you want the car to become what it's gonna be. And in this, you should live right now for how eternity is gonna be, and that is righteous. You're living holy. You're living for God, not away from God. You're doing the things you know Christ would do because you love him and you want him. So you're actually practicing in your own life holiness and godliness. Like you're pursuing those things. You are doing those things. You are loving those things. But not only are you pursuing holiness and righteousness, but notice what he says. You are waiting and hastening the returning of Christ. So you're waiting and hastening Christ to return. Now, what does it mean to wait and hasten? Because those two things are kind of different. Like if you're waiting for something, then you're also hurrying it up. If you're hurrying it up, you're not really waiting. But Peter says, no, the two are actually true. If what you're doing is you're waiting for and hastening. So you're waiting and hurrying the day of the Lord. I'm trying to think about like, what is this? How do we do this? How do we wait and hurry at the same time? Like explain that to your kids. Like, hey, wait, but hurry. Like what? I don't know what to do. I don't either. Thanks, Peter. So what exactly are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to wait or are we supposed to hurry? He says both. Wait and hurry. Hasten the return of the Lord. So, so what, I try, try to give you like an illustration that might help, at least in my brain, put this together. So I remember the first concert I ever went to. I was a little kid. And uh, I, I'm at this concert and the band comes out and they play. And concert's over, last song, and the band goes out. But everybody stayed. And I remember just being really like, hey, why are we still here? Like, they left. We're supposed to leave too. And everybody stayed. The lights were still kind of low. Like, everybody's still here. I don't really know what's going on, but then I began to hear everybody chanting. And they began to clap. And they began to stomp their feet. And they began to chant a little louder and a little louder and a little louder. I'm like, hey, guys, they left. We should, like, what are we doing? Why are we still waiting here? And why are we waiting and chanting? Why are we waiting and yelling? Like, like what are we doing here? And then all of a sudden, you know what happened, right? The band all of a sudden came back out and played like three more songs. Like I totally thought the thing was over. Like they clearly left. They clearly wanted to come home. Everybody stayed and somehow our staying and our waiting hastened them to actually want to come back. See, I didn't know how an encore worked. Nobody told me about it. But in that moment... Our waiting actually caused the band to want to come back out. See, if we'd have all just left and went home, you know what would have happened? The band would have not came back out. And as we waited, we didn't just wait and have popcorn. We're just like, hey, what's your day like? No, everybody chanted. Everybody yelled. Everybody clapped. Everybody stomped. Somehow our waiting caused them to know we're waiting on you we're anticipating you. We want you to come back and our waiting actually hastened them to come. And Peter says, as we live our lives in holiness and godliness, you know what it does? As we wait properly, waiting meaning anticipating, 
like wanting, like in the car looking at the picture, like texting dad, hey, are you coming back because rust is cool, but that paint job's better. Like what, like this doesn't run, I'm ready for that new, like can you make this new, can you please come back? You're texting dad, you're calling dad, I really want you to come back because I really want this car to be what it is. Maybe it just might hasten dad to come back a little bit sooner because he knows how much you want him to come because you can't wait for him to restore the car. In some ways, our living for godliness and holiness promotes and hastens the coming of Christ. And I know you're like, eh, hold on, like God's sovereign, what do you mean? He's got the, I know all of that. But also read the Bible and it says that our waiting hastens the return of Christ. So yes, God is sovereign, we are responsible. God has picked a day, but he's also ordained us to be really excited about the return of Christ. It's also gonna hasten that day to come. So you know what we do? We actually become the people that want Christ to come back. Because we like the car, but we know it's not what we were meant for. We know it's not the end. And we don't pretend like it is. Yeah, we live and we enjoy, but we do the things that Christ has told us to do because we know the picture, we know the end. We're holy, we're godly, we're living out the great commission. Remember what he said earlier? Hey, the reason God hasn't came back, he's not slow, he's good, he's waiting for people to repent. You know what people need to do? Repent, you know what you need to do? Tell people to repent. Like it's a real easy way to actually wait and hasten. Like don't just stand in the crowd, but actually chant, actually cheer so the band will wanna come back. So be involved in the Great Commission. Be involved in living a holy life, making his kingdom come on earth like it is in heaven and hasten the day of the return of Christ because ultimately you want him to come back. See, how do we live in the middle of the oldest passing and the newest coming? One of the things we do is we know that right now matters, but right now, it doesn't matter most and ultimately that Christ is coming back and we ultimately have our hope in the future. Like this week is election week. So what does it mean that we're living in the middle of this? Well, for number one, elections matter. They actually do. Like, like you should go vote. You should care about who's in office. Politics matter. But you know what? They don't matter ultimately. They're not gonna fix our broken world ultimately. So we vote, but we have a hope in, I'm still gonna sit in the same car no matter who's in office. And it's still gonna be rusty, it's still gonna be broken. It might drive a little better, but it's still gonna be broken and rusty. You know what I need? I need a king to return and restore the car. That's what we're longing for. That's what we're wanting. Man, we pursue justice, we pursue peace, we pray for peace, but you know what we're asking? King of peace, come back. Because until you do, this car will always be rusty and broken. So Jesus, come back and restore this place so that where my feet are can be in that place they're going to be forever because I actually want the restored car better than the car I'm in. But if we're honest, some of us don't really believe that. We honestly think right now is the best. And we're glad we're going to die and go to heaven, not hell. Like, that's better than the altar. But in reality, we hope we live here forever. 
And if that's your view, you're in a car and you have no idea what's coming. So I want you to put the picture on the dash. And I want you to remember what this car was. It's way better than it is now. It was perfect and we dwelt with God perfectly. And this car is not what it's going to be forever. This car is going to be restored. This world is going to be a place where we dwell with God forever. See, the cross is not just we go to heaven when we die. The cross is when Christ comes back, he restores all things to himself through the cross. And he makes a new heavens and a new earth where we dwell with God forever. See, if we believe that, then we will actually want Christ to return. And our wanting and our longing might just hasten his return. See, we've got to be the people that really believe the best is yet to come. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, we thank you that the best is yet to come. Let us believe that. Let us hold on to that. Let us live and lean into that reality that, yes, this life matters, but we should always have our eyes on the dashboard that picture of what is to come, and begging you, please come back, Lord, because we want the better. We pray this in Christ's good name. Amen. You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org.